You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Look at that beautiful shirt. Look at that. Look at that, that <laughs> that's a good University shirt. Everybody shirt. should have one of these, really. Oh man, that's that's a that's a collector. I don't know if we have any more shirts. Oh, I should, I should okay. Go Maybe I should have the... said that. <laughs> no, no, no. I can bring them back if people want. Yeah, them, yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, there. Sure. I have I the design. Just... Like that was. I fun. love wearing it around um, Gen Con. The last year I went, it's one of my favorite ones to have for one of the days at Gen Con. Um. Yeah, we it's got uh, my friend Aaron made me that. One of my D and D players. Uh, yeah. She she designed the dice. So. Well, it's held up over, I think I've had it for two and a half years, maybe yeah. three years now. Cool. It's held up. There you go. Um, hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning in chat to those of us live here on YouTube and or uh, Twitch. This is We stream those <laughs> Everywhere. in the morning on Saturdays there. Um, we're a, a RPG talk show. We're going to talk about things in the world of, of Dungeons & Dragons, tabletop RPGs. Um, and there's always so much to talk about. But I think the big thing is, uh, well, we'll start at the top, the Unearthed Arcana Bastion system and cantrips. So they released, this is Unearthed Arcana 8, I think, the eighth one that they've come out with, which is good. But uh, we're also, like, I, we haven't had a release date for the 2024 books. Um, but I'm assuming they're going to release, like, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, dmg and then at christmas there will be a big package that you can buy all of them so uh that i i want to say you know q1 of 2024 <laughs> we'll get uh we'll get a new player's handbook um so but i i remember saying and maybe you remember this better than i do that they were like well we're gonna release all three at the same time and i don't know if that's a viable option maybe it is who knows because we've seen some books come out yeah. too fast it feels like and they didn't get uh thoroughly checking i don't know but anyway um but uh lots of unearthed arcana has been shipped our way they still haven't given us unearthed arcana for monsters or the dmg but arguably those are not going to be as like play testy because they're not player options um, and, and they really want feedback on how the class feels more than they want feedback on how a monster works, I think. So we'll see. But regardless, um, Unearthed Arcana, the Bastion system, which is build yourself a tree fort, so to speak. You're a castle or something like that. A lot of strongholds and followers kind of vibes <laughs> from this where it's like, well, yeah, if you're a wizard, go make a tower. And if you're this, you know, which does stem back from the original uh bx D D and things like that where you would like have this enormous amount of wealth and start building a castle or or things like that uh but what did you what did you think of this <laughs> like did you get to read through it or see the videos just that they yeah talked about just it? a tiny bit and i watched the video this morning so I, um i haven't gotten all the way through it and i did want to check too like this on our arcana i feel like before you could do downloads but this one i saw was all kind of like um on DD Beyond, right? So the only place you're getting Unearthed Arcana now is DD Beyond. 
Um, yes. And you have to sign into D and D Beyond. So does that mean to get any of the playtest material, you have to be a member? You have to have or a, maybe an not account. A, an, yeah. an account of D and D Beyond, and they still do have a free account version. Yeah. Or, or not? Okay, because I've been paying. As far okay, as I, I know. Because I was wondering, is this behind a paywall now that you can't actually I, get to I don't it? think so, but it used to be hosted on the Wizards website, but they right. they said a long time, or the, when they acquired D&D Beyond, they said that, that D&D Beyond will be the sole only place for um, yeah. Dungeons & Dragons material. So you have to log on. Obviously, they want your email so that they can market to you and things like that. Um, yeah. But it is still a PDF. So once you're there, you can click the button and download the PDF. And so your friend could I bring it up because I forgot my password. <laughs> so oh. I was struggling to get to it. So I was watched the video. I haven't had a chance to dive through all of it once I figured out my password again. But I was like, that's weird because I always thought I could get to UA without having to do all this, this rigor and roll. But um, it's interesting that they throw Bastion system out right now as being just a totally new feature with some cantrips thrown in there because definitely the cantrips needed some probably some work and they talk about and then at the end of the video where jeremy's talking about because they do put the video out again before the you can get to the page which i think is still a good idea to have hear them talk about it first and then say okay here's the playtest rules before they even get a chance to right. to put their ideas out or comment on it which i think is a great change for them um they talked about how a number of the classes they feel like they're done UA testing, they're locked in, the feedback's been good. They have some other ones they're still working on, like the monk and such, but you know, they're getting closer and closer. And then throughout that, they keep mentioning, you know, the 2024 D D 2024 book. So it really feels like they're gonna lean into using mm -hmm. the year 2024 somehow, some way in the marketing. Um and yeah, so Bastion system immediately to me, I don't know what you thought of when you read it, but I'm a I'm an MCDM fan. I'm a Matt Coville fan. And I was, you know, the Strongholds and Followers book was the first book I got from Matt Coville. I love Strongholds and Followers. I've used it in the Seeking Revenor campaign and I liked it. It allowed players to create a home base based on their class. So like the one that my characters created, the Paladin was the first one to try to engage with that. And so he created a monastery. He took over a monastery dedicated it to his god that he was a paladin for and then the group used that as their home base to continue adventuring from which was really fun and really interesting i used the units that they could recruit and defend we had things attack that and did like a big battle scene we did other things where they could you know um they added a druid grove at one point that was going to give them some bonuses so i love the idea of adding some city building some I don't know some Sims like building style yeah, you stuff, know, it's, home base building stuff to my tabletop, yeah. but I don't know if everybody does. I mean, that might uh, not be everybody's jam. I think I think there's an idea that I I have in my mind of we play D and D um, or any like fantasy role playing game, you know, an OSR variant or something, and then at a certain level, you're like, okay, we saved this city. I'm the new like mayor. I'm going to start mm -hmm. building onto the city or something. And then all of a sudden you recruit new people. So me as a player, I have, uh, you know, you have your like 10th level 
people that are in charge that are building wizard towers and druid groves and things like that. But yeah. then as a side campaign, you can be the level two people that then work for your <laughs> old characters, but live in the same area and have access to similar resources and stuff. And I think that could be a lot of fun. You know, if you're, exactly. if you're like in the same world and it's like, Hey guys, I've been running this for a long time. And someone's like, well, I'll take over. But really the main level characters are just like governing a nation yeah. now. And you're the little guy that has to like, you know, they they don't have the time to go into the sewers and check Do for little were mission. rats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I thought that would be a fun way of having multiple characters and kind of learning new things. Uh, and so things like this, I really like where, where you know, we were building a, a city together and it has like some mechanical benefits. Um, it feels very similar to the Acquisitions Incorporated book where you can have your base and your major domo and like you kind of acquire Yeah, that was the NPCs. second thing I was thinking. Uh, yeah. So this isn't a new idea. Um, this is just like the official wizard spin on it, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, there was some crafting rules with like hard numbers that I thought was interesting because we rarely see hard numbers uh, right. in the idea of crafting magical items and stuff. Um, but, it, but yeah, I like this idea that it's like, we could make a, uh, like an arcane study and then I could, um, say, Hey, when I come back, I want you to be able to cast this spell or I want a teleportation mm -hmm. circle built or something like that. Oh yeah, sure boss. Yeah. And then you leave and it's like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I need four scrolls of healing completed by the time I get back or cure, cure light wounds or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they could create those and you come back or a potion. I was thinking like a potion. No, there's a whole potion. Yeah. You can great, make potions yeah. and heal and stuff. So there's trade, you can get hirelings. I think they're going to, they're going to lean more on that sidekick rule that was in the mm -hmm. new, uh, Stormwreck Isle adventure, um, where you could have your like sidekick that could just like join you for a session or something. Um, again, yeah. MCDM did something similar uh, with, with retainers. Their, <laughs> with yeah, I was just reading retainers. Yep. <laughs> um, which again is not new. You know, original Paladins mm -hmm. and Advanced D and D had. Uh, exactly. that was part of the classes that you had retainers and based on your mm -hmm. charisma scores, how many people are following you around doing yeah. things for you. So, and it wasn't uncommon in the older games because we had this little discussion and maybe this is a good point to bring it up, um, where it was more OSR like back in first edition, second editions, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It was so dangerous that you were trying to have retainers or hirelings that could absorb some of that death traps coming your way or you're exploring you know your character so mm -hmm. there were rules and they're right from the beginning to have you know retainers or porters people to carry treasure so because you were you wouldn't want to be weighted down by the stuff you were pulling out so you want people to be able to help you with that you want people to be able to help you maybe fight or something hold torches those kinds of things so they really leaned into that that kind of world and i think maybe once we hit maybe like third edition and fourth edition and definitely fifth edition it kind of wasn't as prominent that you were you could still do that and i think there were like optional rules or just some very minor rules written down but nothing in depth like it used to be but now it feels like it's kind of coming back around to that so well and it kind of comes back from that war gaming aspect and also um gary gaiax didn't want to make campaign settings and adventures he thought that mm -hmm. that was up to the dungeon master. 
Um, and so this is another way of like, you're building the world. Like, you know, this, mm -hmm. this is what you do. Like, why are you playing in Greyhawk? That doesn't make any sense. That's mine. No. Um, but they have different levels to get different facilities and, you know, the higher level ones. Like I can't get a guild hall until level 17, but that does a bunch of different things. I can get a shipbuilder's guild and I can make a ship, I don't know, laboratory, craft Yay. poisons and stuff. So overall, I, I like it. It's a lot. But can I make a sky ship? Or can I have a spell jammer shipbuilding yard? Is uh, what I, I want mean, to know. that's up to you. There is a spell called Create Helm, so I'm sure you could make yes. your own helm. And we technically, a helm can be attached to any ship, and it will turn it into a spell jammer. How well your ship does in space is a different thing entirely. <laughs> um, and the old actually the old spell jammer rules had all of the you could dock your ship, and it had rules to uh, spend money to upgrade different sections of it and make it faster. And yeah, and keep that thought for when we get to what did Lucian do in this last week in his Dungeons and Dragons game, Dungeon okay. of the Mad Mage. We're coming back to the helm and spell jammer ship. <laughs> there was something interesting about the. Uh, we were talking about like the lethality before the show started about the lethality yeah. of five E and how you really are this like plot armor cinematic superhero. And I, that felt even more when I was watching the video and they were saying like, yeah, you can have this place. So at level five, if you ever die, you just get magically whisked back to your, your bastion and then you're healed and taken care of. And I was like, so are we just taking, like, there's no threat to losing my equipment. There's no threat yeah. to losing my life. Uh, I don't know if I like that. Like I, and it's called a phylactery, and now you're all liches, basically. Is oh, what I was thinking. <laughs> they, well, no, we've turned to liches, but yeah, the, I think, see that would I be think... a cool bastion type of thing to build. Like at level seventeen, <laughs> you gain the book of vile darkness, and you are actually like working at building a phylactery and sacrifice. I mean, if you wanted to do an evil campaign and then have rules to become mm -hmm. a lich, that'd be kind of cool. But, but no, yeah. I, I just, uh, it, it's another one of those where I, I don't know. I was so scared to kill my players off when I first started playing D&D, but mm -hmm. I genuinely think without that fear, the game is not fun if they yeah. think that they're going to die. And so, uh, but that's a play style, I guess. And so I think mm -hmm. that's why I, I kind of embraced uh, DCC, but that took it to the nth degree where I had players who were like, I don't like this because like I am dying and I just want to go in and hit things. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So. Yeah, I think it's it's if your expectations broken, it's always does it feels the worst. But if you know what it is when you're going in, hey, this is super lethal. You could lose character. I want you to build four characters because we're going to run you through a funnel. Yeah. That sets that tone versus you know this one sets the tone of you're kind of a you're you're an extraordinary person of some sort with extraordinary powers in a world that you quickly start to outstripe the normal person. Right, you're it starts to get super fantastical pretty quick and then just the access to resurrection and revivify are all pretty easy and not hard mm -hmm. to gain there's no i don't feel like in games these days dungeon masters makes it hard for the wizards or the clerics to get the spells that they're looking for or need whereas i felt like in the older games those were harder to get you couldn't not just everybody could just resurrect people yeah Destiny feels like it's much more common now um in the 5e version of it but that's just a style, right? That's just uh, that's that you don't get the critical role story if you don't have the superhero characters that are doing really, truly fantastic things. Mm -hmm. But there are still other cool stories if you want to go the OSR route, which is the more the everyday man thrown into crazy situation. And how do they survive that with 
basically a pitchfork that they might have had when they, when this whole thing started or you know whatever it might be so i think both have merits and both you know as long as the right audience finds the right one they like it works yeah. it's when the audience finds the wrong one and then it's like oh no or i guess when fun. like the audience is like what do you mean i'm dead and then they have you know the, they the throw player player is like well here the book says this and it's like well my yeah. game is different and then you ruin friendships but maybe that wasn't a friendship that needed to happen i don't know you know it it's a it's a tale as old as time <laughs> it's, yes it's just like something we've brought up before it's a but, cycle but uh overall i thought it, that particularly stuck out to me as again like okay we can't kill characters. It was like, it was, it just felt yeah. like wizards of the coast doubling down on that even further. Um, I agree. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, then the cantrips and this was something that was well, I, I thought was overdue. Um, and I yeah. didn't, I, you know, there are some of those cantrips system. that are just awful. And I'm like, why is this even in the game? Why haven't you eroded this like at all? You yeah. know, if nobody takes it, then exactly. it shouldn't even like, take space in the book. <laughs> Friends at Blade Ward, these are the worst things in the world. Some of these got no. a little bit of a nerf, but I thought it was interesting. So um, Acid Splash is now a five-foot radius rather than just hitting creatures that are adjacent to each other. And I thought that mm -hmm. was a welcome change. And they changed it from, oh, it's an evocation spell instead of conjuration. And so I was like, okay. Um, Blade Ward is a reaction. So Blade Ward, you would, as an action, you would cast it on yourself, and then the next creature's attack roll on you would have disadvantage or all attack rolls. I can't, it's kind of like taking the dodge action. So it's like, why am I casting this spell when I can just take yeah. the dodge action? They both cost an action to me. Um, mm -hmm. So this was really cool because it's a reaction to the incoming roll, and I, I yeah. liked that. Um, Chill Touch is now a touch spell. Why wasn't it, you know, it was a 30, 60 foot range. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, it was weird. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like the spectral hand. But it was hand, like hand that waited. comes out. But I'm yeah. like, but you didn't think of that when you read it. Like Chill so. Touch, you thought my hand's like that figure of death from that game gauntlet, right? The guy that runs around with the finger that glows <laughs> and if he touches you. <laughs> um, but Chill Touch is a D10 rather than a D8. And they got rid of the undead mm -hmm. effect. So it did necrotic damage. And I only realized this because in... Baldur's Gate 3 that I was playing like I was using chill touch on the undead it because it else. had this undead effect where the undead will have disadvantage on their attack rolls if you use it but because it's necrotic damage it doesn't actually do any damage to the undead so I was like right that is weird I don't that feels like a wasted thing and so yeah. this was kind of interesting to be like, yeah, they it's a rarely used undead special effect, so we just got rid of that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Was there another part of it, or am I thinking of another cantrip off the top of my head? I thought there was one that maybe it took away somebody's reaction if it hit. Is that the chill touch? That's it... Shocking Grasp. Shocking Grasp. So that's the one I take a lot because I like the idea of taking a reaction away from somebody on, you know, it's like one little special thing. And I always like that one. I always feel like chill touch would be cool for that. Or like... Um, I don't know. There, it feels like you should have one little smaller bonus like that that makes it different than shocking grasp and mm -hmm. chill touch. But that's cool. I like that. Um, friends is complicated. It's a complicated cantrip. Uh, they've made it slightly better. I'll just say that. I don't know if it will actually ever be taken again. Who knows? 
Um, no. Poison Spray is 30 feet rather than 10 feet and has an attack roll rather than a saving throw. And I kind of like that, but like I always envision Poison Spray as like a ninjutsu kind of thing where you're like, yeah. blah, like, and then it, it like shoots a cloud right in front of you. Uh, so mm -hmm. this is weird where I'm like, it's a 30 foot spray. Is it like, it makes it feel like acid spray, but I don't know. Um, visually, I don't know how that would work, but I think it's cool to have a poison cantrip that is more useful than poison spray. Um, yeah. Produce flame is uh, two steps now. You conjure a light, a flame in your hand as a bonus action, and then as an action, you can throw it, uh, which I was like, I hate that. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, I don't hate it because now I can conjure it and maybe do something else but still have this ready to do you know to throw later i don't know uh mm -hmm. there could be something there kind of like shillelagh yeah. where you like bonus action do it and then i can hit um but i could still well, bonus action and do something else and have that ready to be used later so yeah and in the video jeremy made a an interesting thing that i hadn't heard before but they view cantrips as all your other stuff is a better option. This is your last option. So Correct. you have, the, it's like your fallback. It's so yeah, if you have a better spell at that moment to throw, you do. But if you're just, all your resources are gone, you're at the end of your thing, you can do this turn after turn after turn. This is, this is it. This is your last bastion of hope. Um, so it's never the first choice and it's never, and I think they're trying to design them so nobody takes it as their main choice. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Like you want it to be an ability that's useful, but you don't want it to be an ability that they choose to use every single round because it's so useful that they choose it over that they all would the use other it stuff. over actually using everything else. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to design something that is used as a I've used everything else that's a better option. This is all I've got left, mm -hmm. um, which is weird. It's got to be tough. Yeah. Well, it's weird because then you, for a wizard, I would say yes. For a cleric, I would say yes. Um. But then you have the warlock, and like the warlock is very leans on that. So yeah. I mean, especially uh, Pact of the Tome warlock is like, I'm a, I'm a cantrip warlock. Like I, that's a build mm -hmm. that people want to do. Um, so I, are you just saying you're gonna be a uh, eldritch blast warlock? Like, is that it? If yeah, I, I think that I <laughs> with that, yeah, your class has to build in the bonus that the cantrip itself can't be the thing that lets you do it. It's your class says, hey, you're a warlock. You've got a beefed up version of the cantrip or you get mm -hmm. like a plus bonus to a cantrip that you use. That's why you're the only one that chooses cantrip as your first option, not your last option. But it's still, I think about that designing that even if you were designing it, say, in your, your modular D6 or in you know, any of the games you've been, you can be kind of working on your D12 system and all that. You're trying to design something you don't want them to choose very often. You're trying to design something that's a last resort. That's got to be tough. Just that, that philosophy of how do I design an ability that I don't want them to choose all the time? Yeah. That's a weird way to think about it. I, I want to design right. things that they do choose all the time. Why would I be spending time? But it, it's just a, I'd never thought of it that way. I never had put it in that context. So it's definitely a, a tough design choice to put yourself into. But I've always thought there's not enough cantrips. That I, To me, cantrips should be probably the most prolific style of 
magic that's out there. And the list of cantrips should be double the list of anything else that's out there because it's just simple magics that can do little things, but they're all tamped down. They're all small little things, but it just never felt like the list was very large. And the more I played my wizard and the more I've played lots of 5e campaigns and up to high levels and stuff, I feel like the, the spell lists are more lacking the more I play, the more I, I get into, I watch all these cool shows, whether they're anime or Netflix, you know, the Castlevanias or something. I'm like, I want to do that cool thing and I can't do it. And I can visually describe I'm doing that thing, but I don't have that spell. Like I'm just kind of saying I do, but I don't. Right. right I'm like, yeah. why don't they have a bigger, why isn't there a book, a couple hundred page book of just spells, you know, just tons and tons and tons of spells. Pathfinder does it. They, they, they went whole hog on spells you can choose. So there's games out there that do it, but um, yeah, D&D has always kept their spell list kind of trimmed and well, small. I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess you're right. I, I was thinking that there are, you know, it feels there like were a new lot spells. When you look at it. New spells with Xanathars. There's always new spells. Not a lot of new spells in every adventure, but like things like that. Yeah. Um, but you're almost like when I'm playing a wizard, I'm like overwhelmed sometimes with the amount of magic that I have to choose from. Um but I, I like as a dungeon master, uh, rolling randomly on big tables for a scroll to be mm -hmm. like, okay, here you go. And then seeing how the player creatively uses that spell in the campaign, rather than giving them access to every spell, you know, mm -hmm. um, then I love having these like really random third party books that I have that have like, it might be some gonzo yes. spell but i was like we're gonna try it out in this game you know but it's not something yeah. they can take all the time so right yeah. right so uh but speaking of shocking grasp uh they did remove shocking grasp doesn't shut down reactions now <laughs> no. so they said we never wanted to shut down reactions using this spell they wanted it to be like a partial disengage which makes sense with the idea of blade ward where it's like yeah let's have a spell that like is like dodge and it's like why when you can take dodge and shocking yeah. grasp is the same thing it's like let's have a spell that also like uh lets you disengage and you're like well why can't i, I can just disengage but shocking grasp also does damage and it had advantage on creatures wearing armor and so mm -hmm. that shutting down a reaction damage and advantage on creatures wearing armor is like a triple threat of like actually that's just a really good cantrip you know that's what um, i took a lot <laughs> and i i also I took it, it a lot so yeah. now it shuts down uh it it does a partial disengage is what they said so like mm -hmm. you cast it it does damage and then you're able to like not get hit as you walk away um and they took away the lightning having an affinity to metal so i was like well that's kind of sad too in my idea but uh, you know, know how i would have fixed that here's how i would have fixed that here's how my brain would have went if they said that was the problem that they realized then i would have wrote it so that you take away the react the target's reaction if it tries to get used on you only it still could try to react against what the other players are doing against it or other things that are happening in the round. But like your shocking graph allows you to not get hit, you know, allows their reaction not to affect you, whatever that reaction is. So you're, well, you're says, taking it away uh, from you only. On a hit, they take a D8 lightning damage and can't make opportunity attacks until the start of the next turn. 
So, so it's, it's not definitely take, a full-on disengage. It's yeah. not taking away the reaction. It's taking away the ability to use that reaction for opportunity attacks. Yeah, so. because there's so many things that have a cool reaction that could hurt you or damage you or do things to you. I would want Shocking Grasp to be that thing that helps stop me getting... Like, Because you could have a reaction that says, once you're hit... Um, I think there's one that's... Um, some of the fire creatures, when you hit them... They I think they have like a retaliate, fire damage like to you or something. Yeah, yeah, like a retaliate. So I would, I would love that. There's one cantrip or one spell that allows you to yeah. kind of negate that for yourself. Doesn't have to be for everybody. Doesn't have to take their reaction for everything. But I see what they're going. I see where they're going with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then true strike, which was, I think you would cast it as one an I action. I always wanted, but never it, took it. Yeah, well, it's not good. But True Strike originally, I think you cast it on yourself and then you would have advantage on your next attack. But yeah. it was like, well, why don't I just attack twice rather than trying to attack once with a higher advantage? Uh, it made sense to me if you were trying to smite. And I wonder if this was kind of like a paladin thing, but then paladins didn't get cantrips. So it was one of those weird design things that I'm like, I don't really know what we're, we're, we're really want to make sure that I hit on the next l turn, but why don't I just try and hit twice, you know, by attacking normally? Um, now I really like it. So uh, you attack with a weapon that you're proficient in, but you use your spellcasting ability rather than strength or dexterity. So I could be the, um, the like... Thematically, that's different. That's very different. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could be a, uh, I'm thinking a wizard or a sorcerer even. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm a sorcerer. And I'm thinking even with... Um, uh, I think it's druids and stuff can like conjure blade a, lock, a blade, blade of flame, yeah. and then you could use yeah. that flame. Um, and well, shadow blade. Oh yeah, you're right. Shadow blade does use Bonus your regular attacks. So now I could yeah. I could conjure shadow blade and use true strike to actually like use my intelligence to attack. So it opens up a lot, and I thought that was really cool because uh, I I'm a I'm a big Gish fan. I love my my mm -hmm. magic melee, and so this was like another step of like, oh yeah, that would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, my you know? fighting wizard would like that so. a lot too. And I like the idea Artificer. that yeah, thank you, Sky. Uh, he said Artificer. Like this is a great yeah. cantrip for Artificer now. And think so. of it like you know, why wouldn't the martial classes have it? Well, they've got the training that allowed them to to do those kinds of things. Whereas I'm a wizard. I didn't go to sword fighting school, but I still want to use the sword. So it's my magic that helps me be a good sword fighter and yeah it's a literally a, that happen it's a like a spell that allows me yeah. to get a true like i'm a cool like, warrior yeah. like i'm a fighter who went to a fighter school of some sort yeah i like that idea um and uh i'm on board i i i like the eldritch knight uh it needs a lot of work but this is another step in making the eldritch knight work a little better for me so i was like that's kind of cool <laughs> um a third party come uh what is it tome tome of deep magic i think by kobold press uh chat was talking about it where it's like you lucian would really enjoy that because it expands the 5e spell list a lot oh yeah and yeah. i i think there's like Absolutely. nine books of tome of deep magic if you wanted yes. extra spells for your dnd so i've looked at that for sure <laughs> um we've probably spent way too much time talking about bastions and cantrips yeah. uh but it it was interesting and i like I like cantrip design, so it was kind of fun to talk about it and figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, in other news, uh, Penguin Random House, which is a book distributing company, think of like Barnes and Noble, um, like bookstores, Walden Books. I don't think that's a thing anymore, but like you know, like bookstores. Um, used to be. They're yeah. not mm -hmm. going to distribute Wizards of the Coast D and D books, so they have just said we're not doing it next year. 
and Wizards said they're no longer distributing our books. And as far as I can tell on the news, that's it. Nobody's saying like, why? I wonder if a contract just expired and they decided to not renew it or something. Uh, there's but an article. Go to EN World if you want more. I saw an article about it and they do have a response to it. Oh, okay. Well. Um, um, what'd they say? They The Wizards of the Coast, I think the statement said something about we want to lean more heavily on the Hasbro's um, well, yeah. resources was, of distribution. <laughs> that was the point I was going to make is I feel okay, like yeah. they're, they want to treat the D and D books more like board games than books. So we don't really mm -hmm. care that they go into a bookstore. We care that they go into uh target. Like I want them next yeah. to the gaming things. I want them next to the gaming books and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. and I wonder if that's like a, be, a kind of a reimagining of like, you know, their books, their physical books, but like we really should treat them like games. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. A lot of people are like, oh, this is like a big fiasco. And I'm like, I don't, I think it's just them being like, we're going to, we're going to utilize this. They're still going to friendly local game stores. They're still like, you just won't see these books in. Yeah, it's still going to be on Amazon. Know, in still like, be... Yeah. You won't see them in other places. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Planescape is out on D and D beyond. I've taken a perusal of it. Um, a lot of the art is really cool and fun. Um, <laughs> they, I, I want to look at it a little bit more and see like what kind of changes they made, but so far it looks fun. I don't know if it's worth the box set highly expensive kind of thing but i was like when it comes down in price i'll probably pick it up um the box set or is did they do like they did with some of them where you it's can like buy spell the jammer book? you have to no you it's spell jammer you have to no, buy it all three together so it's it's up in the yeah. 80s i think 80 or 90 dollars mm -hmm. i might wait for sale so. but i mean it looks good though too and, um, spell and then november 14th is the book of many things we've just had planescape or yeah planescape but uh also uh, Fandolin and now Book of Many Things like all these books are just like yeah. tumbling back and forth so we're going to see a whole bunch of promotions here in the next month for Book of Many Things and I mm -hmm. uh, okay and uh, I didn't get to go to the panel for Book of Many Things at Gen Con but Ted did and afterwards he said that is the book he's most excited for like he thought it was the most it, it was just like a phenomenal product and he was really excited for it I'm like okay mm -hmm. I like that idea um this is something that I thought was really good about Goodman Games and I wanted to mention is that uh, they've been doing their Tome of Adventure book collections. So if you don't like the idea of getting the individual like $10, $20 adventures that they sell, um, they combined them into a book and you can buy it. It's like Tome of Adventure Volume 1, Tome of Adventure Volume 2. Um, these are great because you get like five or six adventures and it's in a nice hardback book and you can buy them and play up all of your fun adventures. Uh, well, Parallel of the Purple Planet is getting a Tome of Adventure book. Uh, they're they're going to put all of those resources into a book rather than the box set that I own because the box set is out of print and you can't get it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to come with a new Purple Planet adventure included with all of the old ones. And I, I bought the chained coffin. This was another one where it was a box set and now they they took the chain all of the chain coffin stuff and they made it into a singular book so you can run that adventure. And I 100% recommend you uh, <laughs> Peril of the Purple Planet. I think it's one of the best uh, 
games I've ran. Like we've had so much fun with this with this weird <laughs> setting and mushrooms and like desert apocalypse and robots. Oh man, it's just been great. So really like Peril of the Purple Planet. Um and that's coming in February for Backer Kit. And it's one of those things where like they just need to know how many to print. So uh it's Got not it. like you're you're backing it but you're not it's already written like they have that. The other cool thing mm -hmm. about Parallel of the Purple Planet this release is they're including uh or they opened it up to third party people. Um so not associated with this Tome of Adventure design or Tome Tome of Adventure Parallel on the Purple Planet, but uh at the same time like five or six third party publishers are going to make Purple Planet adventures that you can buy. And so I th I thought that was really cool because it is such a unique kind of weird setting you wouldn't put your regular fantasy adventure on the purple planet but they're gonna like incorporate the lore and actually do that so some some cool things you can pick up there if you're interested very cool uh love me dcc and uh spoilers we're gonna play it tomorrow and i'm very excited um what's spoilers. going on in the world of paizo uh so i know we talked a little bit last week about some of the Pathfinder stuff. Um, and I, so I went out and looked and I just wanted to remind everybody that's interested in that. They are doing their, their version of a second edition revised for Pathfinder two. Um, and I noticed that you, the GM core book, the player core book, you will get access to those on November 15th. It says the PDF will be available. I don't know if you order your hardcover, if you get the hardcover on that day, but you get your PDF on that day. And I believe if you order the book, you also get the PDF. And then the Monster Core will be in March of 2024. So it's funny that we're already, we're at the time of year now where we're starting to look at what's going to be coming to us in the beginning of 2024, right? So we're, we're mm -hmm. finally there and it's like going to happen. Um, and it looks really interesting. Uh, if you want to kind of see what that's looking like they have lots of blogs they have lots of videos but also demiplay nexus is really starting to ramp up with the amount of content that they have available that really becomes your i think gm and player tool like dnd beyond became for fifth edition about probably about five years ago when that really hit and everybody started using it i think it helped explode the hobby because now it was easier for people to, to to say, I don't understand this rule, or I don't understand how this works, I'll go to this site and it'll help me figure it out. And now theirs is getting to that point where I think it could help Pathfinder, which is a crunchier system, so probably has the need for that type of site that says, I, I think I'm reading this rule, but I don't know if I'm reading it right. You can go there and when you're building, using the character creator, you can see how it's working. You can, there's lots of resources there. You could look up stuff during the game. Your players can be there to helping you look up a rule. Um, all that stuff's there now. So I definitely recommend it. And right now it's kind of free-ish as they're still in that, you know, rolling out phase. The You can buy the books, but the rules at the moment you can get to, um, which are great. So I definitely recommend they have it for Pathfinder. They have it for Starfinder. Plus you can find the stuff for revised rules and the new play test for Starfinder is also being pushed there too. So you can start to see some of those things that are coming out if you're into the Starfinder um, revision. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I was there today, I also noted there's a 5e section now for SRD 5e stuff. Yeah. So they added that to the site and that wasn't there, I don't know, a few months ago when I was yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think Adam was trying to really distance themselves from Wizards of the Coast. But now that 
5e yeah. is essentially public the domain. OGL like apocalypse. It, it really <laughs> is like we might as well add it um and also on top of that we might as well like i i i don't think they'll you because uh going my mind's going a mile a minute sorry uh mm -hmm. critical role has stuff there on yeah, saw, Demiplane. So yeah, that Kaldori, same critical Kaldori Reborn that's on D&D uh, &D Beyond is also, you could buy it also on Demiplane mm -hmm. Nexus. And so I I think that they're going to really be open up about like, hey, the core rules are here. We're not going to add uh, Wizards of the Coast stuff because we probably can't. Um, although, you know, you can't roll 20 has wizards of the coast stuff. So maybe they, there will be open to negotiations at some point um, because there are other VTTs that have that, but definitely like the base rules are free. You might as well put it there. So kind of interesting. Um, thank you. WWE is not punk rock because uh, for the $5 donation, that's really nice of you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm excited that they're getting peril of the purple planet is getting the uh, chained coffin treatment very excited about that it's so cool um speaking of parallel purple planet uh we're gonna play it tomorrow um one of the one of this is a spoiler but my players don't listen to the podcast so it's okay um, <laughs> how dare they but one of the um one of the cool things about parallel the purple planet is there is a sentient um like green uh, ooze that lives with under the surface of the planet. And it is kind of uh, like it encompasses like the whole core of the planet. Like this is a huge like river of slime kind of thing. And it can affect you in weird ways, but it doesn't, its goal is to get out of the purple planet and leave, but the solar radiation like hurts it. So it has to stay underground. Um, and the game has all of these fun rules where it's like, if you, uh, if you ever encounter the green sludge, um, because this is basically like an omnipotent, uh, like it's a powerful godlike entity, but it, it is trying, it will try to subtly use your players to get it to ha be able to leave the planet so it can like devour the universe. And one of the ways it does that is it probes into the player's minds and will will create a slime copy of um, someone from their minds so that it like will trust that slime copy and that copy can be like, oh yeah, I don't know why I'm here either, but like, I think we should go this way kind of a thing. And it encourages <laughs> you to use the rules uh, or encourages you, like if you had somebody die, like a character that died previously in the campaign, this is a good time to bring them back. And that exactly mm -hmm. happened. So I still have the original character sheet for the character that died. And I'm like, I'm going to bring that guy back. And mm -hmm. I think it'll be really fun to be like, wait, that was my character. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, like they're back. <laughs> like, So it's something <laughs> I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we're going to play tomorrow and it'll be uh, it'll be super fun to do that. Um, and then I I'm always writing little things, but we had a funny idea. I think I told this to you, Lucian, where... Mm -hmm. um what if what if you had a game where the dm was the necromancer and all the players were his skeleton minions that were like running around going on adventures or errands for him kind of a thing 
And I, the more I was thinking about that, I'm like, man, that's such a funny idea. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we could call it boned. Like, it's just like bad work that you have to do. And it's like, <laughs> yes. ah, you're boned and you're a skeleton. Yeah. Like it's a, it's funny. And you have to do it. And you have to do it. So I started reading, um, about open systems and I found one called the Caltrop core system. And this is mm-hmm. free on itch.io. I think it's also, uh, it's, it's in the creative commons. It's completely open. Do whatever you want with it. And it's called Caltrop core because it's based off of D4s and you roll D4s for everything. Um, and it's very similar to what I was doing with modular D6, where the better you are at something, the more D6s you roll. This is the better you are at something, the more D4s you roll. Um, and I started like writing like, well, yeah, what if you, what if you're a skeleton? Like, and, and you're going to have three stats and it'll be like magic, agility, and strength basically. And it's like, if mm-hmm. I want to attack something, I roll like as many D4s as I can. And uh, it has a couple of like resolution systems. So I started writing that and I'm, I've got a, a fair bit written. I kind of need to figure out how I want to tackle magic and equipment and then um, I think I'm going to take it to my Friday night meetup group at the game store and see if anybody <laughs> wants to play a, a dumb game of boned. And yeah. I, I think this could be a really fun, like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun writing it and I've been making it really silly. Um, one of the things I like was it. I was listing off all of the weapons and it's like, if you get a scythe, the weapon is like, oh man, find like a black cloak and you could look like the Grim Reaper. Like that's the description and like <laughs> a couple of other like silly things that I've been putting in there just to be like, I just want it to be funny. Um, but yeah, it's a great I name. I like the name it. of it because Bone, the D4s yeah. are basically a caltrip. Like they're the yeah. best home defense system if you ever really in a oh, bind. Yeah throw d4s on the floor it's, <laughs> it's like, like man Lego. this guy's a huge nerd. Lego core. <laughs> he probably doesn't have any money look at how much yeah. dice he has because <laughs> once you step on one you're gonna leave that house you're like that's it i'm not robbing yeah. this house i'm out this is too much <laughs> i like it um so yeah so i've just been writing it's been fun um and i'll post that up on patreon and eventually i'll throw it on itch.io if i ever get it finished and stuff i've been i've been messing around with some layout software called affinity publisher and um <laughs> I'm revising Mechagoons to be like, just have like a pretty layout rather than my Google Docs layout. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but it's whenever I have free time. I also, my wife's play opened and I had to take photos for that the other day. Well, I want I wanted to take photos, but I took show photos. So now I'm like going through the hundreds of photos that I took and like touching them up here and there so that I can get them to marketing and stuff. Uh, I'm just busy and work life it's crazy um but what's going on you gave us a little tease at the beginning of the show yeah so i'm still in dungeon the mad mage and obviously full spoilers uh i mean who gets that far in dungeon the mad mage and not quits anyways uh we are (laughs) have completed the physical level of dungeon the mad mage 18 and have found the stairs down to level 19 but each time we complete a level we go back to our home base which is the uh which is actually the same structure we got when we played dragon heist because in dragon heist you get a building or you can if you choose to and our acquisition incorporated rules that we play within our campaign allowed us to make it a franchise of ac inc and it's the uh the good night in is what we call it so but it's spelled like a knight so k-n-i-g-t-h-t the good night in um we go back there all the time so we're back there we made it to level 18. This is probably the highest level character at this point I've played 
continuously, not just a one shot. Um, I played some one shots of other levels, but this is like playing from pretty low levels right on up. It is a multi-class and it is funny to me how 18 sounds awesome if you're 18 levels in one class, but like when you split it, this is the point where you start to think, have my decisions been wrong, right? Have, should I have just went, you know, like full 18 into something else and be that powerful? Or did my gaming the system and multi-classing and getting all this stuff that got me through the mid-levels really well, is that going to start to hurt me now at the later levels? Because I am a level seven arcane fighter, arcane archer fighter is the subclass of fighter. And I'm a level 11 cleric of the Twilight Domain. Uh, servant of Khonshu is the way I always <laughs> put it. That's fine. And, uh, <laughs> and my guy definitely dresses up a lot like Moon Knight all the time. Um, but it's been super fun. And it's it's interesting. So I went with uh, 11th level character. I get my first level 6 spell slot finally. I haven't had a level 6 spell slot yet mm-hmm. for my cleric. So I'm, And that's where our earlier discussion came in a little bit. I'm looking at the six level spells that a cleric can choose from that's a pretty small list like it's not very big it's not even a dozen spells it might be 10 and i'm just thinking why when we get to that you know why is it they just don't have more options um but you know i'll play it as it is and uh, maybe i'll go talk my dungeon master in one of those other supplemental books get some cool stuff out so that's been fun now on that level so here's the spoiler We've been dabbling in a few levels before this. We have come across things that are Spelljammer related, whether it's been Gith Yankee or Gith Sarai, Mind Flayers. We went to the Tears of Saloon um, and found a, you would just probably say a spaceport, space dock, Mm -hmm. Spelljammer dock. I mean, so we bumped around into this. And on our latest one, we have found a, Thing that is in the shape of say a giant like squid but it's made of some type of foreign material that maybe wood maybe metallic but it's not like a wood or a metal that we would recognize it obviously comes from some other mm-hmm. place so then all of our characters are trying to figure out well how do we get this out of here and we're like we need a helm we need <laughs> we need a helm to turn this into a spell jammer ship and then we'll have our own spell jammer ship So we are trying to, uh, and then somebody said, well, wait, there's a spell that does that. (laughs) And we're like, and our dungeon master went, huh? Oh, that's Um, funny. And so I was like, so we're kind of leaning towards that. But we are at this place where we're starting to become like really superheroes. Our our fighter just got a plus three shield. He's our main tank guy. Mm -hmm. I think his armor class now is something like 26 or 27. Really? It's in Holy the cow. high 20s because the way he's created this character and the bonuses. And I the guess things Ted's is like that with and... his wizard. When he starts yeah. using Blade Song and Shield, he gets to like AC 29 or 30 or something. But, something yeah. crazy. And then our dungeon match is like, I can't even hit. So it's like, we're starting to get to the edges where you start to break systems. <laughs> so that's it's still pretty fun, though. We all you know, take it with a, a you know, well-intentioned and we, we still play it so that it's fun and it's not just game breaking. But I think it is interesting to see all the work they put into the game in the earlier and mid-levels. They do a great job. I think the balance isn't terrible, but it's obvious once you get to those high levels that there's just not a ton of thought into the balance. And maybe you can't balance once it gets to that high and that many, 
you know, special abilities that you've acquired, uh, magic items that you've acquired, um, multi-classing different spell, op you know, class options that combine that they never thought maybe you would do. Um, it starts to get there, but it's been pretty fun. I don't think we're, if I recall, and I don't, I'm not sure. I think there's like 23 or 24 ish levels in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So I know we're getting closer. And I know that as you, it's like a pyramid, the levels start big, but as you get, you know, lower and lower, it's getting smaller and smaller and more condensed. So the, trying to map out the level hasn't been as bad. So that's been pretty quick. Still having a lot of fun with it. I think we're probably not too far. I bet we finish out this year maybe the next month or two, and then that will be done, and we might be looking at a new campaign at that point. You guys, but it's, it's fun. You guys need to make shirts or something when you finish. Like, exactly. I, I, I spent wanna... four years in the Dungeon of yes. the Mad Mage, and all I got was this shirt. Like, I completed it. <laughs> so, and we did. You're the Dragon only Heist person I know that has done that. <laughs> right into Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Too, and we did two Annihilation before that, and we're all the way through. So now we're really starting to pick them up. So that's why I want, yeah, I want to do the, the Boy Scout badge thing with all of those. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, that's another um, product that I thought would be fun is to like walk around Gen Con yeah, with completion, with like, like completion, completion badge. uh, badges that you could just walk. And then somebody would be like, oh, I played that too. Like, yeah, I, I think it'd be great. Be cool. We should do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so the other big news for me, that's the game I played on Thursday night with my, uh, digital dungeon master from down under our Australian dungeon master Danimal, who does a great job. There's a part in there that um, you meet two different main characters and the introduction to them, they each sing a song in a style in a different style. And he went hog wild. He went in and, and wrote, you know, sang the song in the tune, different voices, tried to sing it out. One was an earth. Um, I think it was an earth elemental main kind of person so theirs was a rock and roll song and then i think the other one was um i forget what the other one was but he sung it in a different version that just made total sense i was just like oh this is so good so if you have a judge master that's willing to go out and not not be too crazy or not not afraid to be crazy i think is really fun um, and then friday night uh first session of my campaign started out um bringing the party together i chose we're doing like a slow burn in or, or that's what they thought um, because I didn't let them just all know each other already and say, okay, you guys started the tavern and blah, blah, blah. Here's your thing. Um, I had them just arrive or start their backstories with you've left wherever you went. You have decided you want to be an adventurer and you've travel or are traveling to Waterdeep, And that's what, you know, you don't know any of the other players yet. You don't know any of the other people and you don't even know why you're going to Waterdeep. It's just stories. You've always heard that that's where adventurers go. Adventurers go to Waterdeep, and you know, that's, they, that's what they do. So you don't, you, you got to get there. So I let them play out. All right, here's the gates. You stand in line. You sign your book at the magister when you get in. You know, I, this is the first time you've seen a city this big. They're all from, you know, nobody's seen a city this size. Um, you're standing in the middle of the road as everything's going by you and all the things that you're seeing. Very cosmopolitan city, really, Waterdeep. I mean, you see everything there. What do you do? So I let them kind of stumble around. And it's clear that, you know, sometimes you have players that are like, oh, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So the dungeon master must have wrote out a quest that I'm going to go on and I have to find that quest. And I'm like, no, there's no quest here for you yet. You're just some random person that's standing in the middle of the road and people are walking around you. What do you do? And so they start to like, you know, oh, okay, well, I need to find where I'm going to sleep and maybe some food and maybe I can find some 
adventure work so I can pay for that. And they're slowly in different parts of the town. Some are in the North Quarter, some are down in the Dock Ward, some are down in the South Ward. So they get to learn a little bit about that and how the road system works. And then just as that's going on, we play for just a couple of hours. Nobody's together yet. And at the very end, we end it with the, the earthquake starting to shake the, the, the land. Buildings are starting to topple over, bright flashes of light in the sky, and then something crashes all the way through the middle of Waterdeep. It's just like this big, giant um, trench now in the middle of Waterdeep. Smoke and fire and burning is all going, and then we're like, okay, that's we'll see you guys next week and see what you're going to do. Oh, fun. Like, we're still not even together, and they're, they're looking at the, I, I had the map of Waterdeep so they could see it. And I just drew like on it, just this big, like, it, it's like the cataclysm from World of Warcraft. You just put a big split into everything. And they're like, one person's stuck up at the top. The other three are down at the bottom. Like, oh no, they're, how's this going to work? And I'm like, so what's cool about this is um, there's about to be, they don't know this because they also don't watch this, is that the couple of characters are near the bay. And I had this inspiration of, I wanted to, them to see this scene of, the water starts to drain out of the bay and it's receding. And some people are watching that like, wow, that's really crazy. And some are staying there and looking at all the stuff you don't normally see in the bay of Waterdeep as it starts to drain. But then there's a few others that immediately see that and they start to run the other way. And then people start going, well, what? why are you running? And then they start to realize, well, the only time water starts to drain out of a bay is when it's about to build up and come crashing back in and I want them to have that kind of that scene in mind. And then my big kind of bad guy to introduce here, um, I'm going to do basically sea creatures. So I'm, I'm looking for some type of cool sea creatures that I'm going to start using flea mortals. I'm going to look around and see what I've got. Maybe maybe even I've got the Tome of Beasts up there too. I might go through that and see. And I'm thinking um, in my mind, I want to have something invading from the ocean side into Waterdeep. And what has crashed into Waterdeep is a part of the city from the sea. Something's happened. It's come up out of the sea and then it's crashed down into Waterdeep. And now there's this group of whatever water creatures I've chosen. I haven't chosen them yet. Invade up into Waterdeep. And that's how the party kind of finds themselves starting this campaign. Just this big thing. Um, and then I'm thinking that's where Jordan will eventually come in because as oh, yeah, this wraps right. up, <laughs> as this piece wraps up and Waterdeep pushes back this army of aquatic whatever, I feel like this is where Jordan's big bad guy says, well, Waterdeep's in shambles. Now it's my time to take over. And oh. so, like, what's your plan? Because you know, I was like, like, can I be the it's Aquaman? devastated? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought about that too, but I was like, oh, but it would be th this would be the setup of maybe I have a I conch you to that play. I blow and it actually pulls the sea creatures You're up. Aquaman. So I, I, yeah, yeah. I did it. I, I yeah, caused the, the issue Mantis. to start something uh, new. <laughs> but I thought what would be cool is that you are a bad guy, and we'll and I'm gonna kind of we'll talk and we can have fun with this of yeah. what it is or what you're actually gonna be. But I like this idea that this is this is where your moment comes. Like all this time, Waterdeep, the the way the guard and the people, the powerful people that exist in Waterdeep, there's not been a way for you to really try to take control or, or, or do anything. But now with this catastrophic devastation, this big army that finally comes in and maybe gets pushed back, and then 
the, the everything that's left over is the prime time for the big bad guy to come in and say, how do I start taking over? What's my plan? What am I min what do I tell my minions to do to further my plan to take over the sword coast or whatever your ultimate goal is? Maybe that's only your stepping stone. Mm. Maybe, you know, once we figure out what step you one, become are, a masked lord. Yeah. Are step you a, two, a red assassinate Bay? all the other masked lords of Waterdeep? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Impersonate them, put puppets yeah. in place. So you have, you know, you could have all kinds of plans. So I thought this would be fun that it, as an exercise to do over discord. Yeah. Where I could just say, Hey, what do you think you want to do? What do you want your minions to do? And it can be as simple as, ah, just let them gather resources today. I don't want to put a lot of thought into it. I'm busy with work. I'm writing my, my RPG. But then other times you might be just sitting there thinking you could dive into your plans. And you're like, okay, Lucian here, I got some really yeah, yeah. detailed plans this time. Like a play by post. To I think like about yeah. yeah. And so you're playing a game that's play by post evil, big bad guy trying to take over the world and really never actually in the game, but my players are feeling the effects of your evil over Waterdeep. So I'm excited. Um, that's what's been getting me excited about this campaign. I hope it works out. It's a lot of, I'm thinking it'll be cool, but sometimes things you think are cool or even when you mm. put them on paper, they're cool. But once you try to play them, they don't turn out the way you think they will. So I don't know if it will, but um, I'm hoping this is a cool idea to kind of play around with. Having somebody that's an outside influence on the campaign that's having fun and is enjoying stuff that's going on. And then having a group that's experiencing, you know, the, the influence of somebody from the outside, not just me, because eventually I want to tell them I'm not even creating this. Like I want them to know there's somebody else out there. That's their bad guy. That's like, we got to find who this guy is we gotta <laughs> put him down. Cause he keeps messing with us. Yeah. Know, that, that kind of thing. So um, I think it'll be fun. So nice. No, it sounds really fun. I mean, it sounds like a great way to start. Uh, a campaign i like it a lot and then I, my mind is going like a million places already i'm like oh yeah yeah like this so um super fun well ladies and gentlemen that's our show thank you so much for being here and and chatting with us and hanging out uh thank you again for the donation um just so i just want to point out some of the fun things in chat we have a uh, conch of kraken control um <laughs> Turtle shell of dragon tortoise control. That could be fun. Um, we have uh, bring back Tharsden, or I could be an uh, an abolith sovereign. Maybe I'm 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 an abolith controlling a weird little humanoid puppet. So lots of cool things. And you don't have to be from the sea. You're a big bad guy. No, no, the yeah, I know. But yeah, we're just yeah. Talking but about keep going, like, chat. Yeah, chat. You really can. Cool. Uh, Keep giving my because I keep thinking you'd want to be a lich or maybe a vampire or I mean there's all kinds of places yeah. you could go with that. I like the I love a red wizard of Thay. Yeah, it'd be fun too. Um, an Umberly devotee, but oh, so good. Uh, yeah, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Um, High Priest of Leviathan for... wants you to take over. What's this? The High Priest of Leviathan wants Ooh. you to take over. I like that. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, really excited to have you guys here. This was uh, this was a good show. Was super fun. Um, we will be back next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. Until then, play games, have fun, roll dice, and we'll uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.